0: Our second reading today comes from the fifth chapter of the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. And um, you'll see that we have a truncation. We're, this is actually two stories in one story. The first story um, is the story of Jairus' daughter. Uh, and then there's a second story that's intercalated. Is that right, John? Intercalcated? I don't inter, Intercalated, okay. Um, that's stuck in, th- in the middle of that story, that deserves its own sermon. So we're going to let that sit for another day and just deal with Jairus's daughter today. So our reading is from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 23, and then uh, skipping down to verses 35 through 43. Uh, this is an idiosyncratic dynamic equivalency translation, which means I did it myself, and it's not word for word. So... And this is a really stupid thing to do in this congregation because we have, what, five biblical scholars sitting in the room right now, but here we go. Jesus got in the boat and passed over to the other side. A huge crowd gathered around him there beside the lake. A synagogue president came to him, a man named Jairus, and, whoa, he fell at Jesus' feet and called out to him repeatedly saying, My little daughter is about to die. If you could just come and lay hands on her, she could be healed and well. And Jesus went with him. And the huge crowd went too. So thick, Jesus could barely move. While Jesus was still talking after the healing of the woman with the hemorrhage, some came from the synagogue president's house saying, Your daughter is dead. There's no need to trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus heard them talking, and said to the synagogue president, don't fear, just believe. And from that point, Jesus allowed no one to follow him, but Peter and James and John, his brother. When they got to the president's house, it was absolute chaos, with everybody screaming and crying. And he went in and he said to them, why all this crying and carrying on? The child isn't dead. It's just sleeping." And they laughed at him. Then he threw everybody out, but the child's mother and father and those that were with him, and went into the room where the child was. Then, taking hold of the child's hand, he said to her, Talita kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl got up and started walking around like any other twelve year old. Everyone was immediately dumbfounded, being positively dazzled by what they saw. Jesus ordered them sternly not to talk about what happened to anyone. And then told them to get the girls something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> First of all, before I begin, I feel it's fair warning to tell you that I don't stay in the pulpit. I will walk down among you. Part of the reason is is that I can't stand standing this far away from the pulpit because if I do stand up here there's this thing and I can't see my notes anymore. So I'm going to have to come down there and talk some. The opposite of fear. What's the opposite of fear? You know, we live in a world that more and more has become entrapped by talking about fear. In fact, we are right now in fear season. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. what What it means is that we have gotten to that season of the year or every four years where we are told that the wrong action in the voting booth Will bring untold misery and failure to the entire world. Right? You pull the wrong lever, you elect the right doofus, and everything is lost. Right? That's <laughs> me for me. It's Obama. Who are you talking about? Um, <laughs> so we gotta vote for the right, or everything could go south. Read the newspaper. What's in the newspaper? You got to eat this, you got to do that, you got to avoid this, or you could die. We're all going to die anyway. That's the dirty little secret, right? But why do it any earlier than you have to? Our lives are motivated by fear. What could happen if we don't do this or that or the other thing right? So, what's the opposite? Fear. Well, if we look in this story today from the fifth chapter of Mark, we see one of the examples. The example is that of the synagogue ruler, Jairus, synagogue president, whatever you want to call him. This is a guy who, in the towns that were around the Sea of Galilee, would have been a pretty big dude. He was in charge of the synagogue, he was the one who got uh, people to read uh, the scriptures. He was the one who made sure all the arrangements for services were correct. He took care of the facility. He was very important. And I often have to wonder that when Jesus got off the boat and all of those people came crowding around him, what he thought when he saw Jairus coming towards him. What he might have thought is, "Uh uh-oh, here he comes. Right? Because there were a lot of people who were not happy to see Jesus come around because of exactly that reason. He'd come ashore, and he would heal, and he would preach, and the next time at synagogue, service didn't look so hot anymore, because they'd say, you can't do it like Jesus can. So Jairus makes a beeline towards, and I can't come back too far, the people in the cheap seats can't see, but the, the, you know, he makes a beeline for Jesus. He goes, Jesus! Jesus! Hey, Jesus, come here, please, Jesus, Lord. Then, it says, it says in the Bible, I do, which means, look, whoa, because we don't go behold or whoa anymore. We say, whoa. The one thing happened that nobody thought was going to happen. The president of the synagogue falls at Jesus' feet, and he says, my little daughter is about to die. Please, come and heal her. The opposite of fear for Jairus was faith. The opposite of fear was belief. He saw Jesus, he saw his hope, and he went to him and he said, Come, come. And heal my pain. That story goes on. And of course, in the end, something truly amazing happens. Does it happen? Does Jesus look at Jairus when he comes up and says, come and heal my daughter? Does he say to him, okay, Jairus, I'll come and heal her. Does does that happen? You can answer me, by the way. It's okay. (laughs) Does it happen? No. Does he say, Let me come and I will do my healing thing? No. It says, And he went with it. And even when it comes to the point where in the story the people come from his house and they say, Jairus, it's too late. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Does he look at Jairus and say, Jairus, your daughter's going to live. It's okay. Does he say that? No, he doesn't. He says what? Don't fear. Just believe. Sisters and brothers in Christ, I want to tell you something. There are a million, and, am I making you nervous, but I'll stand over here. There are a million and one times in life that there's a call for fear. We can feel as though everything that we have, every prop for our life is gone. But there's no hope. But if we reach as Jairus did and say, Lord, as we did all this year during the, the Wednesday night services in Lent, Lord, I believe. (laughs) Help my unbelief. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, but I believe you do. And we reach out in faith to him, then the things that confront us, whatever they may be, will be healed. And we don't know how. We don't know, in fact, we do know, that not everybody is going to rise up off the bed of pain And become well again. We know that not every dead person is going to stand up off that hospital gurney. We know that not every marriage will be saved. Not every dream will be preserved. Because the way that God works and the way that God has always worked. Is not to insulate us from pain. But instead to give us the power to live in its midst. Christianity is not some sort of spiritual bubble wrap where our souls are bound up inside of this capsule where nothing can touch us. When Jesus defeated death, how did that happen? Did he walk up and say, Death bad, not doing it? No, he walked the road and walked it, and walked it to the end. With his body bloodied. And his soul beat down. And that's how he beat death. Was he embraced it. And he lived through it. To find what God had for him. Sisters and brothers, I don't know what faces you today. I really don't. And if I come to you and I say that no matter what your pain is, no matter what the issue is, if you can not fear but just believe, it'll come out right. I hope that you won't look at me and do the same thing that the people did to Jesus. Because he walks in the house and he says, Oh, she's not dead, she's just asleep. And you know, and he walks in and they're all wailing and they're tearing their clothes and they're throwing dirt in the air, and it's a big scene. And and he says, ah, no problem. And it's like he threw ice water in their face. You know, one minute they're all wailing and howling and mourning. And then he says that and they all stop and then they start to laugh. What an idiot. How can he believe that any of this would be okay? It's only when we're willing to have God do what God will do in our lives and in God's time that we can find out what God's solution is. Well, it's ridiculous, you say. How can any of those things that you talked about earlier be something that would come out right? Humiliation, pain, wounding. Look what came from that upper room. Look what happened as a result of the cross. Two thousand years later we sit in this room sharing faith with one another and encouragement. And the Holy Spirit is here within us who can say what God will do God is a very present help in trouble. God reaches God's hand out to us in the midst of our lives and says, Don't fear, just believe. Sisters and brothers, I encourage you to embrace the opposite. Of fear. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.